And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 293, and we're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois, where it is starting to get a little bit of chilly here. Uh, we've had our first snowfall as of the other day, and a little bit of slipping and sliding has occurred as a result of that. But uh, things are now you know, relatively stable. Uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it would just go to figure that on the very first day that we had a snowfall, I would actually... Um, take a tumble on some black ice land on my knee which of course is precarious as it is but anyway enough about my aches and pains uh yeah um so the big news of course is that uh, thor ragnarok is in the theaters and as of last weekend pete and i have gone and seen thor ragnarok so we have definitely seen the movie and gonna have a lot to say about the movie when we uh, eventually review it i'm gonna say that we're gonna cover the movie about three weeks from now. So uh, those of you who uh, are out there listening to the show, you have opinions about it, I would encourage you to send your uh, your thoughts about the film to radiofreeasgard at gmail.com, which of course is our email address, and we will read out your comments, of course, as we discuss the uh, the movie. And I do have a lot to say about it, but I will give you an overall non-spoiler kind of of preview and that is it was a lot of fun i like the movie it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination but i really enjoyed it it was a lot of fun and i do have a lot to say about it all right so uh we do have an issue of thor to cover so let's go ahead and move along to our review cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens And this week we are looking at the Mighty Thor number 197. Cover date is uh, April of 1972. Cover price 20 cents. Cover art is by John B. Sema and Joe Sinnott. Shows Thor and he is uh, standing over the prone body of Odin. And he looks aghast by this. And we have Mangog in the background and... For some reason, the Mangog is holding Thor's hammer, and I think this is—I think this is actually an error, because the—I the, mean, it's pretty well established that Mangog can't lift Thor's hammer. So I think that uh, it, it's weird because uh, Mangog actually has Thor's hammer kind of in his claws, but it looks like uh, Thor should have been holding the hammer also. So I don't know if this is something that was done in the inking or, or what. But anyway, it's a beautiful cover, even though it's a kind of a weird mistake on the front. And uh, the Mangog is saying, Odin is dead, Thunder God, and you shall be the next to die. And we get a cover blurb, When Dies the Immortal. And we open up to this splash page where we have not nearly as nice of a cover here of Thor. And uh, he is 
aghast looking at the unconscious Odin who is being held in Mangog's hand. So Mangog is holding Odin rather than the hammer. Well, we have a little bit of a blurb here. Weakened by the strain of transporting Asgard out of normal space, all Father Odin hath fallen prey to the rampaging Mangog and Thor, but recently returned from his quest for the wells at World's End, doth truly seem helpless to save him. And we have the credits here. Uh, Jerry Conway was the scripter. John B. Summit was the artist. Vince Coletta was the inker. John Costa was the letter. I wonder if that's John Costanza. But anyways, John Costa. And Stanley was the editor. And Thor is saying, My lord, prithee speak. Give thy son a sign that thou dost still live. Monster, he be silent. And if that silent be tokens death, not all thy power will protect thee. And Mangog says, Words. Mere fatuous words. Mangog hath no fear of vague pronouncements. His is the strength, his the glory. For if thou darest attack me, then thy father dies more quickly than I planned. What say thee, Thunder God? What can I say, foul demon? My hands are tied. We have a surprise attack coming from the side, actually coming from the rear, because we see Mangog's tail in all its glory, and it, it's Hogan uh, apparently trying to shove his mace up uh, Mangog's ass, and he says, Not so, Hogan's lord. Whilst thou didst take his attention in front, Hogan did steal the rear. <laughs> That's too funny. Well done, Grim One, says Thor. <laughs> For even as the monster turns his head to thee, Thor doth let fly his mystic Mjolnir, and to his father's side doth speed. And Mangog is like, Trickery! For that thou shalt pay, Nat. Nay, Mangog, tis thou shalt pay, and pay dearly, for our daring touch Lord Odin's sacred form. My hander doth but stun thee for a moment, yet a moment be all I need to reach this ledge and safety. Odin still suffers in darkness, his powers drained by the recent almighty effort. He needs time to rest. And he shall have that time, my lord, says Hogan. Not for nothing did we battle our way across that distant world to find the fate-blessed waters Odin did send us for. For only he knows their true use. And for this and other things must Odin survive. And that is the single most uh, solid chunk of dialogue that Hogan the Grim, I think, has ever had. <laughs> anyway, and uh, we see that... Um, Thor has grabbed Odin and is flying him up to a ledge, like, like the dialogue had said. And uh, Mankog's head looking really small on this panel, uh, maybe just because it got uh, smashed in the face by Mjolnir. But Hogan's mace really looks weird, too, in, in this uh, couple of panels. You know, Hogan's mace is kind of a lumpy, you know, spiky ball. But here it looks just look like a Osage orange or something. I mean, it's just kind of a lumpy sphere kind of randomly lumpy and not decidedly lumpy. And I, I think I know what's going on here, and maybe I'll talk about that at the end. But anyway, uh, Fandral is also there, and he is sticking his sword into uh, Mangog's chest from underneath, and he says, uh, Thou dost fool no one, Hogan, least of all Fandral the Fair. Thy noble heart fears for Odin's life, as doth mine and every loyal Asgardian's. They do talk to hide their fear. The truest sign of bravery, says Thor, as he's talking to Odin, I guess. For how may we few prevail against a demon whose life bud be purest hate? Methinks this day Asgard may fall. But ho, who be this? And he turns around, and it is Volstagg, of course, taking up the rear, as he always does. 
And uh, Volstagg says, "'Tis I, my lord, the noble Volstagg. Seems my path led away from battle. Yea, so it seems, Redbeard, says Thor. Come closer, I have a task for thee. For Volstagg, my lord, thou dost not jest? My lord, I be honored. Forget thine honor, Volstagg. I ask more of thee than words. Take the sheepskin. It doth hold the last dregs of the mystic water for which we sought. Yea, my lord. I charge thee with this, fat one. Bring it to the court vizier. Tell him what thou dost know. And thee, my lord? Aye, I go off to fight. And Volstagg takes the wineskin of water, and it says here, And behind the running thunder god, Volstagg trembles. Tis his moment, perhaps the single most important moment of his life. No loud voice. Where be thy boasting now? There be none to hear thee. Only thyself. And Volstagg goes running off to the vizier, and it doesn't take him long to get there, only two panels. And he is there, and the, the vizier is in his uh, chamber looking at some kind of big uh, tome. And Volstagg comes in. Ho, Greybeard, I've word for thee from Thor. I foresaw thy coming, Volstagg, as I foresee this battle's star-crossed end. Thy words mean not, old one. Only actions now may speak. Here, take thee these magic waters, and know thee. They be a gift of the Norns. Ah, then legends be true. Mangog may yet be dispatched with the aid of the fates. Come, vast one, we've work to do below, on the brink of Odin's cosmic well. And they go down the long staircase, and we have like a swimming pool type of thing down here, and around uh, like a cement pond kind of deal. Tis said this well has some universal affinity with that twilight pool thou and thine did seek. If so, then the mixing of their waters may provide the desired effect, or the prove the end of us all. And he starts uh, spraying the water, kind of pissing the water into the pool. And there's a little bit of smoke coming up from the pool. I guess, uh, I guess it's a hot spring or something because there's like steam coming up. Or uh, maybe he throws dry ice in it for fun or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, we then shift scenes back to Thor fighting Mangog. <laughs> Thor is like, still dost thou stand? Still thou dost threaten the power of the gods. Then thou hast cast thy lot and thou must take thy due. Feel the living lightning, monster. Feel and die. And he picks his hammer up and he shoots a very large lightning bolt out of his hammer with a zzzt. And he's uh, kind of shooting Mangog. And Mangog is staggered a little bit and he's kind of still approaching Thor, but, but it looks like maybe he's being slowed down. Blind fool, hast thou not guessed? My body thrives on the most powerful blows. It feeds on thy every curse of hate. Remind me the strength of a billion billion beings, the strength of their undying enmity. Even though Odin did renege on his sentence of death to that race, their hate lives on. Their hate gives me cause. And uh, Mangog thrusts his hands down into the floor because, you know, that's what you do. And he lifts up the floor and he sends uh, Hogan and Fandral and Thor kind of flying and Thor's helmet comes off. Thor says... Because Lothor speaks the obvious, as we know. He lifts the very roadway itself. His strength builds by the moment, says Hogan. My lord, are we doomed, says Fendrel. What hope have our swords against such as he? And we uh, shift scenes to the ledge where Thor left Odin. 
and we have the uh, the old men army the, that Odin created, uh, what's left of them, because Khan uh, is gone. So we actually have the, uh, the Rongor and White Mane and the other guy whose name I don't recall. And uh, they're saying, he lies most still. Can our worst fears be true? Doth Odin lie dead? Nay, hold thy tongue, Rongor. He stirs. Fates be praised, White Mane. Our liege doth live. And uh, Odin is actually coming too, um, so he's recovering a little bit of his strength, and uh, they're kind of helping him up. Give thy command, my lord. Ron Gore be ready to serve thee. As is Bolwar, my friend, as are we all. The war goes ill against us, my liege. Asgard needs thy head at its forefront. Aye, though he fights well, thy son be too impetuous. He be... Too young. Unhand me then, says Odin. Odin needs no aid. His strength, though weakened, may yet sustain him. A moment, my lord. Thou art poorly rested. Yea, even the boldest warrior must take his time to regain his strength. Asgard suffers without me, says Odin, and so must suffer no longer. We did not mean... I know thy meaning, white mane. I said unhand me, Rangor, thou goest too far. My lord, please. Silence! What matter of king might I be if I answered not the call to arms? Pow before thy liege, lest thou dost forget thy place. And we get a little bit of pseudo-Kirby crackle here as uh, Odin is uh, looking very much un-Santa-like. Uh, he's got a, uh, a very um, angry face and there's like Kirby crackle kind of, uh, kind of spilling off of him. And the old men are definitely uh, humbled by this. And they're like, Lord Odin, forgive us thy friends. But our way we sought to serve thee. Yea, I know this, Rangor. Let no more time be wasted so. Asgard needs its warriors. And thus we go to fight. And a white horse suddenly appears from nowhere. And Odin climbs on it and uh, goes riding off. And other horses appear too, and, and they uh, are uh, riding off towards uh, where Mangog is, and we can see Mangog from behind as he's is fighting Thor and the Warriors Three. Odin says, "There be the beast to his flank, an attack." In the meantime, Mangog has knocked. Looks like he's knocked out Thor, and he says, "So the blonde hair doth fall at last. I'll suffer his passing, but not too greatly, I think." No more greatly than I'll suffer his father's death. Then take thy wish, monster. Take it if thou can. What? No answer? Afraid to speak then? And Odin has uh, come forth and he just swipes his sword and, and nicks uh, you know, the Mangog's leg. And the Mangog is like, Nay, Odin, I bide my words till I've ought to say. For when Mangog speaks, the universe trembles. Mayhap the universe does, foul creature, but no fear for words doth Rangor hold. Treachery! Always they strike from behind, says the Mangog. I'll have no more of it. For your impudence, you die. And he, uh, the Mangog apparently has a prehensile tail, and he uh, wraps his tail around Rangor, and Rangor, like Thor, always has to speak the obvious, so he says, Thy tail encircles me. Oh, foul, foul. 
And Magog's like, foul. Noah's foul the deed that Odin commit when he sent his son away. Nay, Noah's foul when he banished the Bonhair's loved one as well. Then how be Magog foul? He sought to save, and I seek to kill, to kill you all. And we then should have seen, speaking of Thor's loved one, we are uh, back on the Black World. And as you remember, uh, Sif and Hildegard have been picked up in a steamship belonging to Captain Birdseye, uh, or Silas Grant, I believe is his name. And uh, maybe maybe he's pooped like Pappy. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Anyway, so uh, he's like, there. Tis as I told ye, lass, the world is mad. Ye say ye fought knights in a village, and I pilot a steamboat. Then what of that, lass? Tell Silas Grant what ye make of that. And it is a city, much like New York City, and it looks a lot like New York City, actually, Um, and tall buildings and that kind of thing. And uh, Sif says, Nay, I'll not believe it. Tis a city harbor, but not like those harbors I've seen on Earth. Somehow it seems so primitive, as though it were like those cities of the Earth's depression years. So it's like a 1930s city. And the uh, three of them get off the boat, and they get on. They kind of climb onto a dock. And um, Silas is like, uh, "These past days have been a nightmare. They have, but hours ago, and the land was green, and I owned a measly sailboat. And the blink of an eye, it all changed. I can't wait. Look at their lassies." And the um, He's pointing at some people out on the uh, docks, and we see like a car out there, and and all this, and um, the, the people are running away, and um, Hildegard is like, "They do run, as did those knights we fought." My lady, I understand it not. Hours ago, this city did not exist; it was all a tavern, a village. Aye, and countryside as well. Tis all his doing, lass. He's changed us all from savages. And he's driven us mad, too. Look at them, running from something like scared rabbits. Don't know what those contraptions are, but maybe one of those blokes can tell us. And uh, there's, actually, is their cars, is the, the contraptions, but people are dressed like in the uh, 1920s, 1930s. The people are really scared and running away, and then Captain Birdseye stops one of these guys and is like, Here, lad, calm down. How do ye work in these carts and what? Let go, you fools, says the guy. Don't you see? Are you blind? He is coming. He is coming. And he runs away. And Sif says, Silas, what doth it mean? You got me, lass. Unless maybe he is here after all. Thou hast never said, my friend. Who is he? Ah, Hildegard, there's the rub. Ain't no one who's never seen him and lived to tell of it. Looks like you lassies sure chose the wrong time to visit our little land. We had no choice, Silas. All was decided for us by Odin. Hold! Look thee yonder! Tis the female colonizer from the star sun Rigel. She whose name is Tananile. So yeah, so we have Tananile with a uh, more normal-sized head. Um... Yeah, like the Mangog, they've, they've shrunken the heads of the Rigelians so they don't look nearly as alien. So, again, not, not the choice that I agree with. 
And uh, we have a reference here. Stan says that they first met Tana Nile in Thor number 129. Quickly, Asgardians, into the forest bubble. Take the mortal with you, lest he fall prey to him. Colonizer, what means all this? Thor spoke to me of thy meeting, yet never did we think to meet thee here. I'd have not planned it this way, but it appears he has taken the choice from me. All of you, into the shield. And then there's some sort of a, a bubble that, that she's formed to uh, protect them. And Sif is like, What art thou doing here, Regellian? Didst not thy people promise Thor to abandon all human space and no longer attempt to colonize those civilized worlds? That we did, Asgardian, but I have no time to explain the deadly mistake we made. If you will look above you, you'll see why I fire this near useless energy gun and perhaps you'll begin to understand what has been happening here these past few days. Look, Asgardians, look into the face of him. And she is indeed shooting a near-useless ray gun, apparently, into the sky. And uh, Hildegard is like, By the stars! It can't be! It can't be! And we then shift scenes once again. We are back in Asgard. And uh, we are with the uh, vizier and Volstagg. And uh, the vizier has done something with the pool, and the pool is all smoking and... Yeah, so, so something is going on in the uh, the pool here. What happens there, Greybeard? says Volstagg. I know not, vast one, even as we speak. And as the vizier completes his sentence, the words are lost. As suddenly, the well explodes, and there's a big explosion, a big yellow rays kind of shooting out, and a force beam shooting up through the floor, and there's a big, like, uh, eruption going on. And the caption says, Raw power churns upward. Unleashed by forces our minds cannot begin to comprehend. The very earth and stone of Asgard itself begin to tremble. While short yards from the roaring geyser, a waking thunder god struggles to awareness, already doubting the message of his senses. I'm guessing that the uh, the well water brought in the wineskin was made of Mentos, and <laughs> the vizier's pool was made out of Coke. <laughs> And uh, Thor is, is kind of laying there, and he's kind of groggy, but he's recovering. And he's like, uh, the world shakes, torn from within and without. What fury have I unwittingly released? What if Thor's orders have not saved Asgard from its fate, but nearly sealed that awful doom? The uh, caption says, nay, not in the throes of destruction does Asgard pitch and yaw, but rather that land hath become a momentous journey, Spawned by the well's explosion, an interdimensional voyage back to its home space, cross a bridge of light years. And even as Thor realizes this, even as a knowing smile doth light his features, even then the seeds of tragedy are sown. And uh, Thor is, you can see, is smiling. Asgard, uh, obviously, is going back to where it came from. And uh, there's a voice coming from behind. My son! Thou hast made thy father proud. Lord, by finding the well and by taking its waters, thou hast returned to Asgard its destiny. And Thor says, Father, thou dost look unwell. Perhaps I should... Yea, say no more, my son. Thou dost speak the truth. This battle hath worn my will, hath stolen my strength. 
Barely I survive. Yet what means bear survival? Only in the moment of greatest glory doth man or God find his truest nature. Only then doth he fulfill his final destiny. Yea, I be most weak, my son, and so Odin must replenish his power, though in the renewal he doth put an end to an era. By bathing thus in the well's mystic shower, I do extend my strength, and in this way Mangog will be destroyed. Speaking of Mangog, we have shifted scenes to where Mangog is crashing through the walls of uh, the castle, and he comes upon a room with a giant sword in it. Yeah, uh, the Mangog is, we're well acquainted with uh, this sort of thing. But uh, anyway, uh, Mangog sees the Odin sword, and he recognizes it. He's like, the Odin sword, my search is truly over. For once yon weapon be unsheathed, the universe ends. My masters would be most proud, for though they now do live, still they hate, and even if it means the end of their lives, they crave one thing alone, Odin's final doom. But what madness is this? The sword be free, and yet the world remains. So yeah, he's, he's drawn the sword out of its scabbard. Aye, fool that I be, I forget to be, we be beyond normal space and time. Odin's gambit hath saved the universe. Yet never will it save Asgard, nor will it save him. The power of the sword is mine, and with it, I'll destroy it all. And so the Mangog has the Odin sword, and he is uh, shooting like energy all around and destroying lots of buildings and stuff. But Odin is not having any of this, and he comes in and he says, I say thee nay, never while Odin stands will Asgard fall. Stay thee back, demon lest thou face my wrath. Thy wrath, little man, thou art blind. The sword is held by me, and now at last the sword shall strike. And uh, Mangog is drawing the sword back like he's going to cut Odin in two, and uh, Odin's like, Never! Though it drains the last of my strength, I'll cut thee from thy master's hate, dooming thee to thyself. And with the selfsame spell send mine Odin sword winging to its sheath. And so apparently Mangog is tra transported away and the Odin sword is back in its sheath. And it says here that uh, in one maddening instance, the chamber quakes and then the power fades, the roaring dies, and with a fading sigh, the mighty Odin doth collapse. And uh, Thor is aghast at this and he's like, Father, demon, now thou hast gone too far. And Odin is uh, laying down, uh, apparently unconscious, and uh, Thor comes after Mangog. I guess he's not teleported away, uh, at least not yet. And uh, he run, runs forward and roaring. We get some uh, speechless fighting here with his captions, and he's basically hitting Mangog with his hammer a lot, and uh, the two of them are going back and forth. And that says here, uh, in his wordless roar, there is hate. And in his every blow, there is fury unequaled. Screaming, Mangog knocks him backward, a backhand blow that betrays the monster's sudden panic. For even he can see that this time the Thunder God will show no quarter. This time there can be but one ending to the battle. The ending is death. And um, so the two of them are fighting, and uh, Thor punches Mangog in the face and with a wham. And he says, that be for my father, beast. 
one whose glory dwarves thy petty battle, love, one whose very shadow swallows thy meager form. And that be too for my father, filth, he whom thou dost dare touch, whose life thou dared threaten. And uh, Mangog has been punched backward, and he's going through the wall and being covered in rubble. And, uh, and uh, it's weird because every time Thor hits Mangog, the Mangog is getting smaller. So the Mangog is shrinking down. And uh, Thor has to speak the obvious, and he says, but What insanity is this? With mine every blow, the monster grows smaller, his size diminishing, dwindling in stature and strength. By Hela's dark hand, can my eyes deceive me? Thou art the size of a child. And uh, Mangog is like, It is a trick, an evil trick. I be Mangog, Mangog, whom none can destroy. Mayhap what thou dost say be true. Mayhap none may destroy thee but thyself. And uh, Thor has grabbed Mangog by the tail and is kind of swinging him around as he shrinks down. And Mangog is getting smaller and he's like, Lies, lies, I walk as a giant among men. What's that thou sayest? Thou dost speak too low. Thou art consuming what power thou hast left with a thread of energy that bound thee to my master's broken. I'm a giant. Thou art tricking me. I'm a giant. And he's still uh, smacking uh, Thor uh, futilely. And Thor has kind of grabbed him around the waist with two fingers. And you can't hear what Mangog's saying anymore. But uh, Thor is like, Careful, demon, lest thou dost burn up thy existence, and by so doing, vanish away. And that's exactly what happens as the Mangog vanishes, uh, having shrunk down to apparently microscopic size. So uh, Thor turns around, and the Warriors 3 are there. And the Warriors 3 are looking very grim. And uh, Thor says, why stand thou all so somber? Volstagg, what dost thou hide? My lord, we prithee do not look, says Hogan. Thy father, says Fandral, he be dead. And uh, Thor's like, Odin! We see uh, Odin on the next page has been placed into a giant Viking ship, uh, almost as though they're going to send him off on a Viking funeral. And uh, the ship is being carried by various uh, Norse gods and uh, people who are, look like they should have been designed by Kirby, but they're designed by Busema instead. <laughs> and we have a little bit of a caption here. From the east there comes a wind most cold, bitter, whipping the night black standards on their silver poles. Though Asgard still doth voyage to its home dimension, these men care not. Their souls are filled with grief their eyes downcast with the weight of tears. And when the tomb is sealed, and Odin lies within. Uh, so I guess they buried him in the tomb. And uh, Thor is standing there, and he's looking kind of glum, and, and Hogan comes up to him, and he says, uh, My lord, I know thy pain. Tis not easy. Twas never meant to be the time of joy. Thou dost speak most smoothly, Hogan. Too smooth, I think. Thinkest thou my words too glib? Thunder God, Thou art not the only son whose father most needs lie dead. Their liege is dead. The night is grim. And we, we see uh, Thor, and he's on horseback, and they're following the, uh, the, the... Basically, it's a parade up to a tomb, and the tomb is sitting on a big cliff edge, like over the ocean. Um, so um, 
Anyway, that's what's going on. And we get a, the caption here says, Their liege is dead. The night is grim. They move to a silent cadence. The only sound, the rustle of moving cloth. The soft shifting of ebon shields. All are there. All are silent. Their grief is much to bear. We see Balder, who we haven't seen for a while, among other people. Dead, says Thor. Nay, not till the suns die in the heavens. Ne'er will Odin be dead, so long as one there lives who remembers him. But wait, are we fools all? By my father's sacred scepter, what have we done? Where be the goddess of death? Hath she claimed his blessed soul? Nay, for we still do journey twixt the realms of time and space. And until that journey be ended, Asgard is closed to Hela's grim passage. Open the doors! I say thee, open! And uh, Thor takes Mjolnir and he smashes down the, uh, the tomb, uh, the tomb door, and he rushes in and he's there with, where Odin is laying in state. And he says, uh, uh, the vizier's like, My lord, uh, art thou mad? Nay, not mad. Perhaps for the first time this day, Odin is dead in truth, but still his soul remains. Hela hath not claimed it, nor his body. And if Thor's power means aught at all, she never will. I'll freeze time about his sacred form, and in this way, when we reach our own destination, Hela's hand shall be denied him. I only pray mine own hand to be strong and firm. For unless it doth maintain that shielding time freeze, Odin shall be taken, and mayhap with him, Thor. Next issue, Death's Dark Domain. And that is the Mighty Thor number 198, and we'll be talking about that issue right after this message. The Fantastic Arts is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics in 1961, Onwards. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover every issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo, and more. And in 2015, we begin our journey through the decade that taste forgot, the 1970s. Join us as we take a look at... The departure of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Kree Skrull War. The arrival of Marvel Team-Up. Bill Murray as the Human Torch. Creators including Roy Thomas, George Perez, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler and John Byrne. And of course, Marvel 2-in-1. All this and more at ffcast.libsyn.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The Fantastic Cast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? And we are back with a few thoughts about this issue. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit better than the last couple of issues have been because we actually come to a resolution. So something is happening. There's a lot going on in the issue. Lots of fighting. We've got this whole thing with Volstagg taking the water to the vizier. We've got the whole you know dry ice in the water kind of thing going on. We've got you know Thor versus the Mangog. We've got Odin and the old farts against the Mangog. We've got Hogan ramming his mace up up uh, Mangog's ass. We've got a lot going on in the issue. Now, mostly it's fairly mediocre. Um, it's not the greatest issue. It's not the greatest story, to be honest. But it's not the worst story either. I mean, there there have been worse Thor comics that we've covered. Um, art in general is pretty good. But it does suffer from the inking. The, the inking, like uh, I've been complaining about, 
doesn't really suit John Buscema's pencils. I mean, it's uh, it's clear that there's some rushing going on. It's clear that uh, Buscema was not, uh, he just didn't have the time to work on, on things like backgrounds. But for most part, the, the figures are quite good. Um, I would point out that in addition to having a prehensile tail, the Magog's tail also stretches like Reed Richards. It, sometimes it you know, seems like it's only you know, kind of a short tail, and then sometimes it's really long, like 20 feet long. Uh, it's, it's really inconsistent. Likewise, the Magog's faces and head is inconsistent. There are some panels where it is very, very small. He has the, his uh, very human-like proportions, and then there are some other panels where it seems much larger. You know me. I like, I like Magog with a big head because that's the way he's supposed to be. But uh, there's some inconsistency that I'm going to blame mostly on on Buscema being rushed. I have a feeling that he was uh, up against the deadline here. I think that this is nowhere more clear than on page three, uh, pretty early in the issue, where we have Hogan fighting the Mangog, and his club looks like a, like cotton candy. It's, it's like cotton candy on the end of uh, the, the shaft of Thor's hammer. It doesn't look like Hogan's mace is supposed to, and it's... Like I said, it's kind of billowy like cotton candy and not solid like a mace. And I think what happened there was it was roughed in. And and when Coletta finished it, he wasn't quite sure what to do with it. He didn't know that it was a knobbly metal mace. And he kind of made it random like, like I said, cotton candy or poop or something. Anyway, so uh, there's a, that there. Um, Mangog's face is off model for the entire issue. And I, I don't blame Busema as that so much as I blame Coletta for that. Um, it's sort of right, but there's something weird going on with Mangog's nose that I'm not really sure if that's you know, the inking or the art. Um, but there are a lot of panels where you just kind of don't see Mangog's face. There are very, very few backgrounds in this issue. The, the figures dominate everything, but you know where you have a place where there would normally be a background there's there's usually just a solid color there's nothing there we have a cliff uh, here on uh, page eight uh, but other than that we've got solid pink solid blue solid black backgrounds obviously when they're in the city you have to show the city but you only see really see the city in one panel the rest of the time they're relying on you know the background being blocked out or we just get a very basic sort of sketch of buildings going on. So the inclusion of Tana Nile here is a clue. Uh, and so we kind of are starting to get an idea of who him is. If you go back to previous issues of Thor, who do you think of when you think the colonizers of Rigel? What big story were they part of? And uh, we'll see if you're right next issue because we're going to be covering next issue next week. But uh, yeah, just think of, um, you know, maybe some special kind of planet, you know? Anyway, so that that's what I think is coming. And, and uh, I, yeah, I know, I kind of peeked ahead. But um, anyway, um, 
Yeah. Uh, again, we have Tananiel, and she's uh, and she is off model. Um, her head is very much smaller than it should be. Again, they're trying to draw them with uh, with more human proportions for some reason. Uh, maybe they maybe they thought that Busema couldn't really make that kind of huge headed look work as well as Kirby could, and maybe that's true. I mean, Kirby could make make some really weird stuff look good. But I don't think it would look bad if uh, they had the same proportions here as, as they would have had under Kirby. But anyway, he didn't try. Um, I have a feeling that we're going to be seeing a recorder pretty soon, and, and I think that's going to be happening maybe next issue. So uh, we'll get the recorder back in this comic book. Um, interesting mix of worlds. You have the sci-fi, and all of a sudden, uh, Ten and Isle is uh, confronted with uh, Captain Birdseye and Hildegard and Sif. Um, yeah, so that is this issue, uh, such as it is, uh, there's some excitement, there's some lameness, there's, uh, you know, uh, attempted anal rape with a mace, uh, and that's basically, uh, what's going on in, in Thor number 198. Um, all right, and with that, it's time to wrap up the show. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening, we really do appreciate it, and of course, if you want to, um, uh, email the show. Tell us what you think of Thor Ragnarok because we're going to be talking about that in about three weeks or so. Tell us what you liked about the movie, what you didn't like about the movie, um, and we'll kind of have a discussion over you know the different characters and the, their character arcs and all of that. Um, and I will say one thing that I really liked about the movie, no Jane Foster. Anyway, so with that, it's time to go back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio... Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.